Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened. And we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged. And we love you. God bless. So, Lord, help us to be intentional about worshiping you in the good times and the bad times, to building our lives on you alone, not on the things of this world or on our own abilities, but on you, Jesus, because you are the unshakable, firm foundation, the anchor that holds and offers the hope of the world. So that is what I want for us today, Lord. Have your way in this place, God. Speak to our hearts, and when we leave let us, Lord, leave better than when we arrived because we've received something mighty and powerful from your word that we can apply to our lives and live out in this world day to day. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We give you this time. Be glorified in all that we do. In the name of Jesus, we ask and pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Amen. Hey, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Uh, and... and I know it sounds like, well, I'm, I'm supposed to say that, and I guess I am, but I, I need you to know that I'm genuinely glad that you're here today. I'm genuinely glad that you're here um, as we wrap up this, this series that we've called 40 Days of Worship, um, and, and I hope that you'll take something away. I, I hope that, if nothing else, we discovered that worship is much more than our song. Worship is much more than this time before the sermon. It, worship ought to be our lifestyle. Uh, week one, we kind of defined worship. We use words like submission and surrender and conviction and adoration. Week two, Trent talked to you about just the power of the gospel and what happened on the cross of Christ. Then in week three, we talked about how important it was that we worshiped in community, that we're better together, that you need the church and the church needs you. In week four, we talked about how we needed to worship God in intimacy, in our private worship, uh, that he ought to be the center of our activity, our attraction, our attention. And then last week, we talked a little bit about how sometimes our worship gets misdirected and there competition, there is competition for our worship. We talked about how God wanted to be the object of our worship because he's jealous. And oh, by the way, he just happens to be God. Yeah. Uh, I think we forget that sometimes, that, that uh, like we have a choice in the matter. My Bible teaches me that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Today we have an opportunity to choose whether or not to worship. But there will come a day when everyone who's ever drawn a breath will worship the creator we said that he knows you better than you know you. We said that he sees where you can't, that he knows things that you don't, and that he loves you on days when you don't love yourself. That's why we need to keep our worship focused. And, and I have to be honest with you, all of that has boiled down to today. It's easy to worship when the band plays your song. And they're all in tune and their voices are harmonious. It's easy to worship on days when everything is good. It's easy to worship when the bills are paid and the kids are behaving. The grass is cut and the sun is shining. It's easy to worship on that day. Am I right? What about the other days? When the singers aren't so, so harmonious. When it's a little cloudy, when you're walking through hell, how do we worship on those days? How do we worship when worship is hard? See, it, it must be more than a song on those days. It must be more than a familiar tune that rolls over in our head. It must be more... And, and please forgive me, 
but you know it's true. Sometimes we come in this building and we phone it in because we've heard the songs. They're on the screen. We just phone it in and we go through the motions. I'm going to tell you that you're going to face some days and I'm going to face the days when that simply won't cut it. It's not enough. I'm going to tell you that you're going to face some days and I'm going to face some days when worship might be your only lifeline. How do we worship through pain? Um, I'm going to tell you something that is very profound and deeply theological. You ready? In fact, you're going to write this down. Pain happens. It does. It does. And I, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to be one of those preachers that says, you know, if you'll pray the right prayer and give the right amount of money that you'll never have to worry about poverty. You'll never have to worry about paying a bill. You'll never have to worry about a bad doctor's diagnosis. I'm not going to tell you that because that would be a lie. And those of you that have been alive long enough understand that that would be a lie. Because Jesus said these words in John chapter 16. I have told you these things. These are the words of Christ. So that in me you might have peace. In this world you might have trouble. In this world you got a good chance of having trouble. In this world you will have trouble. Aren't you glad he didn't leave us hanging there? In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Can I tell you that what that passage of Scripture means to me and those words of Christ means to me that in the middle of my world falling down around me, in the middle of trouble, in the middle of heartache, in the middle of disease and death and destruction, if I'll focus my heart and my mind and my energy and my attention on the person of Christ, I, it doesn't mean that I'm going to never walk through those things. It does mean I will never Walk through those things alone. And, and at the end of the day, isn't that just glorious? I, I don't know if you've ever been in that. Yes, I do. Everybody in this room has been through those moments in your life, those seasons of your life when you went, it would have been just fine if I had not opened my eyes this morning. Pain happens. Heartache happens. What do we do in the midst of that? Do we just sing a song? Maybe. Do we just quote a scripture? Maybe. See, I'm going to tell you that for worship to be genuine, it, it's got to be more than just an outward expression. It's got to be something. For worship to get you through this kind of pain, it's got to be more than just a song and a trip to church on Sunday morning. And I don't know why it works this way, but it does. Don and I have been in this, in this deal a little while, and here's what I've watched. As, as an associate pastor, I've watched it. As a youth pastor, I've watched it. As a worship pastor, I've watched it. When we go through difficult times and, and things start to crash down around us, maybe financially, maybe physically, maybe relationally, when things start to get tough, here's the first thing that people have. The first thing that happens to people is they push away the very source of their strength. Watch somebody struggle financially, and what's the first thing you, you're tempted to stop doing? Being generous. Watch somebody struggle socially, and the, the first thing you want to stop doing is hanging around other people. I've seen it over and over and over. People begin to struggle and they push away the house of God. They push away their devotion life. They push away their worship life. And, and I'm going to tell you that, that the enemy smiles when that happens. Because the source of your strength in the middle of your struggle, the source of your strength in the middle of whatever you happen to be walking through is a connection with God Almighty through His Son, Jesus Christ. And I don't know how else to say that. I don't know how else to express to you. And I'm going to tell you I'm struggling for my words today because this, this idea is so passionately burning in my soul. Because I, I'm not telling you these things because I've read them in a book. I'm not telling you these things because I've studied the right scriptures. I'm telling you these things because in the darkest, deepest, most hurtful times of my life, 
I didn't always find solace in my wife, even though she, she's a source of strength. I didn't always find solace with my pastor's wise words. But I've always found solace in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit because the Son of God lives in my heart. And I'm going to tell you that I don't, and don't, don't mistake these words, I don't care because I do care, but it, it is unimportant of the, the name that's on your struggle. The source of strength is the same. So, so when those times come, you might want to write this down. This sounds mean, but you, you know my heart. Don't use pain as an excuse to bypass worship. Because that's going to be the first temptation. It, it, it just hurts too much to be around. I, I just can't go to church today. It just hurts too much to pick up God's word. It just hurts too much. I, I don't even know how to pray. How many of you have ever said that, by the way? I don't even know how to pray. I, I, I get it. But you know what you're going to do in those, in those moments? You're going to call somebody and say, I don't know how to pray today. I need you to pray for me. Here's a, a year or so ago, we went through a study in, in our men's group. Of the, Trent led us through a study in the book of Job. It's a very encouraging book. It's just full of great news. The very first chapter, you think, okay, this is going to start out well because it's talking about how, what an awesome guy Job is. He's like nobody else in all the land. He's our hero. And then the enemy came knocking. And Job lost everything he had. I, listen, I know some of you have had some bad days. Nobody in this room's had a bad day like Job had. Lost everything he had and everybody he loved besides his wife. And I'm not so sure she was the greatest woman on the planet. <laughs> Just saying. So what would be the normal human response to losing everything you have? Are you going to deny your grief? Of course not. That's stupid. I'm sorry, but that's, it, wouldn't that be, you're not going to deny your grief. When you lose somebody you love, you're not going to deny your grief. It's there. It's real. When the doctor says, hey, I've got bad news, you're not going to deny your grief because it hurts. But just because you're in the middle of a pain, painful situation and a painful circumstance doesn't mean you, you take the opportunity to bypass your worship. Because look what Job did. After, he, after the worst day of anybody's day in history before or since, the Bible says that Job stood up, tore his robe in grief. He was hurting. Even in the middle of this, he was hurting, shaved his head. He was having a bad day. He's like, I don't even want to look at my hair. I just, I'm just reading what's in the book. <laughs> Fell to the ground to worship. Job's first response on the worst day of his life was to fall to the ground and worship. And part of the song that you sang came from this passage of scripture. I came naked from my mother's womb and I'll be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what he has. What gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. King James says, blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Oh, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. You already know what the question is. How many times have you gone, I thought you loved me. I thought you were good. I, I thought you had a plan for my life. Is this the plan? Listen, maybe. Maybe. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that there won't be difficult times on your journey. There may be. Don't use those times as an opportunity to push your Savior aside. Use those times as an opportunity for worship, just like Job did. 
Do you know why? I'm convinced that Job knew something that I'm not sure we have grasped. Job knew that God knew what he was doing. I, I'd like to tell you that there's never been a time when I didn't pray a prayer something like this. God, I'm not sure you're really seeing what's going on down here. I'm not sure that you have all of the information. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going to tell you that he does. I'm going to tell you that in the midst of the worst day of your life, and, and, and many of you know right away what that day is. Maybe, maybe it's the day you lost somebody you love. Maybe it's the day you realized your, your, your marriage was, was done. I don't know what the day is. But in the middle of the worst day in your life, God knows what he's doing. Maybe it was the day when you knew that if you didn't get help, you'd never, you'd never overcome that addiction. Maybe that was the lowest part of your life. On that day, God knew what he was doing. On that day, I'm, I'm going to stop taking orders from Trent. That would, that's, that's a bad precedent, and so I'm just going to. And I said that to say this. Your pain, please, y'all, man, you've you got to get this part. Your pain may be a path to a greater purpose. Your pain may be a path to a greater purpose. I can't tell you how many times I've heard a testimony like this. I woke up in the jail cell and I knew that God had to do something. Man, I, I remember watching my beautiful mother-in-law. I talk about her all the time because, I, listen, I know a lot of preachers. And I know denominational officials. But I... I know Jane Henry was a woman of God. And I would, remember, I would remember people coming in to her when her body was riddled with cancer. And, the, and, and encouraging people. And talking to people about God's goodness and grace and mercy. Listen, I'm going to tell you that God can use your pain. I heard a preacher say this way. God never wastes a pain. And if you're in the middle of it, God's got a purpose for it. You didn't hear that. If you're in the middle of it, whatever it is, God has a purpose for it. And will use it for your good and his glory. He will because that's who he is. Your pain may be a path to a greater purpose. And what greater example do we have than Jesus? Now, you, who was here the day Trent showed us the Passion of the Christ clip on the screen? Who was here? Here's what I want you to... Is that hard to watch? First of all, nod your heads. Is that hard to watch? Okay, I want you to imagine having to watch it in your head and that being you. You know that that, what you saw on the screen, was coming in hours. Would you be a little stressed? Well, he was Jesus, but he was human. He was, he was, he was 100% God, 100% human. And the humanity of Jesus, the night before, he, he went through all that he went through. said a prayer. And I want you to listen to this prayer. It's Matthew 26. He went on to the garden a little farther, bowed, his face, bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering... Be taken away from me. I've heard pastors say that Christ wanted to go to the cross. I'm not so sure. I think he was more than willing to go to the cross. I'm, not gonna, I'm sure that the humanity of him knowing what was coming wasn't real thrilled about it. Let it pass, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done not mine. See, his pain was a path to a purpose that sees you and me and every sin that's ever been committed covered in his blood. 
It was a much greater purpose. His pain led a path to your redemption and your rescue and your healing and your deliverance. His pain was a path to a much bigger purpose. And can I tell you, if we're following the person of Jesus, your pain will be a path to somebody else's purpose or maybe even your own. It's a But see, it's hard, for us to, it's hard for us to grasp that in the middle of it. I've told you this story, but I shall tell you again. Before my incredible son Mikey was born, we lost two children to miscarriage. And doctors are so... I, if, if you're a doctor in the room, I don't mean this. They're mean. And would say things like, oh, it's, it's just nature's way of taking care of a problem. Well, it didn't feel like a problem to me. It felt like my child. And I was broken. And, and after it happened the second time, I remember riding home from the hospital and, and holding my wife's hands. And, we, and we, we had no words to say because what do you say after the second time? What do you say? And, and people would call and they would say, Man, Dwayne, I'm sorry, I'm praying for you. And then dead silence, because you don't know what to say. My pastor called me. He said, Dwayne, here's the only thing I, I, I can say that, that might bring you comfort. God's not going to waste this time. God's going to use this. Maybe not to help you, but to help somebody else. Six months later. I'm sitting on the front row of a church with my pastor's son, whose wife had just lost their child. And I said, man, I, I know what it feels like. I'm going to tell you that God's not going to waste what you're walking through. God's not going to waste your pain. God's not going to waste your heartache. God's not going to waste this struggle. God's going to use it for a greater purpose. Do you, do you believe that? Yeah. Amen. Now, before we go just a little further, I'm going to ask you to do something. And I love saying this phrase I have in the last six months or so. I'm going to get you to lean in a little. And by lean in, you know, it's funny. The first time I said that, everybody went. <laughs> and, and that's not exactly what I mean. I mean, you can if you want to, I guess. It'll look funny. But if you, I, I, want, I just want you to kind of lean your ear toward, toward this next few minutes. I told them in the prayer room. I have, I have this routine, and I'll, I'll take my notes, and uh, while, while y'all are having growth grief, I'm just reading over and over and over and over, and I got to this part. And I'm going to tell you that sometimes an urgency and an awareness of what God wants to do in somebody's life becomes very evident. Because the, the next thing I'm going to ask you to write down is these words. Don't let the enemy steal your worship. And, and I'm kind of looking down right now because I, I don't want to look at you. But I, I can put my hand on you. And the enemy's trying to steal your worship and he's trying to steal your song. And he's trying to steal the joy of your salvation and he's trying to steal... Because you're in the middle of some stuff. I get it. Don't let that happen. Well, well how? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you. Actually, I'm, I'm just going to read it to you. Jesus is our great example. I, I mean, Jesus had some bad days. And right as he's beginning his ministry, the Bible says he was tempted. And Matthew chapter 4 tells the story of what happened. The first thing that Matthew 4 says is that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Whoa, 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 whoa. Isn't it supposed to be the other way around? Isn't the devil supposed to lead us into temptation? Isn't the devil supposed to lead us into the Bible says that the Spirit of God led him into a dark place, into a wilderness. 
And maybe you're here. Maybe you're in the middle of that temptation. Maybe you're in the middle of that struggle. Maybe you're in the middle of that pain. Because God's trying to teach you something. Maybe you're in the middle of that because God knows what's on the other side of it. But you might have to go through some stuff. I heard a preacher say it this way. You might have to go through it to get to it. So let's, let's just read. Verse 2 says, And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. <laughs> Don't you love the literal truth of the Bible? He's fasting 40 days and 40 nights, and then he was, oh, by the way, hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And he answered and he said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You understand, the first thing the enemy tried to take from Jesus was the truth of the word of God. And that's probably the first thing he's going to try to take from you. That's, it's just noise. He's just up there rambling. It's not true. It's not real. That's probably the first thing he's going to try to take from you. What was the second thing? Well, then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you're the son, son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against his stone. He, he tried to take the, the truth of God from Jesus, and then he tried to take Jesus' life. If I can kill him now, I don't have to worry about all that stuff that they said was coming. If I can take his life, Maybe that's, that's what he's tried to take from you. You know what he takes more than your life most of the time? He, it's, it's not that he's, he's taking your life physically. He's taking your breath. And if he can't do that, look, look, look at the last thing that he tried to take from Jesus. Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. He tried to take his worship. I'm going to tell you that the devil doesn't care if you come to church. The devil doesn't care if you put your name on every role in this city, in every church role in this city. He does want your worship. We talked about that a good bit last week, so we're not going to dive a whole lot. I'm just going to tell you, don't let the enemy steal your worship. Don't let the enemy take this beauty of worship that God has given you. I, I think I have a definition of worship now. Would you like it? You don't have a space for it. To write. You have to write down the whole sentence. And it's not even on the screen. Worship is a declaration of the goodness, majesty, and sovereignty of Almighty God. Worship is a declaration of the goodness and majesty and sovereignty of Almighty God. Worship is a declaration of the goodness. Everything he does, he does out of his character, which is good and only good. In the middle of your worst day, he's working it out for your good. We say that. Do you believe it? Do you believe that in the middle of your worst day that God is working all things out together for your good? A declaration of his goodness, of his majesty. He's bigger than your stuff. Of his sovereignty. Because listen. He's in control. Of almighty God. There is nothing he cannot do. So listen. If worship is indeed a declaration. Of the goodness and majesty. And sovereignty of almighty God. The enemy will do all he can. To steal that from you. Because he hates your God. And by extension, hates you. So let's not let him have our worship. On my worst day, in the good times, we used to sing it, in the good times, praise his name. In the bad times, do the same. Dwayne, how? How? You know, I was, I was having a hard time with the how part. How, how can I communicate to these people 
that in the midst of it, we just do it. And, and I, was, I was flipping through. Donna was here yesterday, I guess. And she was printing out her stuff for the growth group. And I saw her in you, you just do it. When you, when you don't feel like it, you just do it. When it's hard, you just do it. I, and I don't know how else to say that. I, I want you to hear from me that when you don't feel like worship, you don't feel like following Christ, you don't feel like doing the stuff to further your connection with Jesus, do it anyway. And, and the last thing I want to share with you is this. Is that pain is temporary. But peace is eternal. I love this passage, y'all. Revelation 21 says this. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more. There will be no more death. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore for the former things have all passed away. Not too long ago, I was leaning up against the, the youth building over there, and there was this woman that had come by the church. And she's like, help me understand how if God is so good, there's so much pain in the world. And I said, you're right. There is pain in the world. There is hardship. There is difficulty. But he's fixing it. It's, you, we're, just, we're just caught between ages. There will come a day when there won't be evil and there won't be difficulty and there won't be hardship and there won't be pain and there won't be death and there won't be cancer and there won't be diabetes. Do I need to go on? There, all this, the former things are gone and I'm excited about that day because the pain that you feel today is temporary. But the peace of God that passes all understanding is forever and forever and forever. And can I tell you, that's the hope you have today. It, it, it's not in, uh, I, I think when I was up in the crow's nest, I, I, I think I heard Donna maybe reading this passage. The Bible, Paul said these words, if we have hope in this life only, we are of all men most miserable. Listen, I love my life. I love my family. I love my church. I love, I, I love my life. But can I tell you, my hope is not in this life. My hope is in what's to come and knowing that there will come a day when he will wipe every tear away. Had a hard week, y'all. I'm not going to lie to you. My, uh, my, my dad has gotten very aware of his own mortality. He turns 90 Friday. Yeah, 90 Friday. And I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure that if I got out of line, he'd still, you know, he'd still whip me. <laughs> but he's become very aware of his own mortality. And so we've had a lot of conversations about wills and all of that other stuff over the last several months. And, this, and it, just, it just came to a head this past week. And I had heard all I could hear. And then I looked at my own notes. And I was like, God will wipe away every tear. See, my, my hope isn't that my dad lives another year. I hope he does. But that's not ultimately where my hope is. Or another two or another five. He may outlive us all. I don't know. He is the most stubborn man on the planet. I understand. Donald was talking about the ribbon and the rope this morning. I understand that my, my existence here on this planet is just a little small dot. So I asked Tracy to, to leave some white space at the bottom. Because I always try to give you something to take home. I always try to leave something to take. Have you already filled up your white space? <laughs> Probably should have had her say, don't write in this box until Dwayne tells you to. It's, it's really okay because I, 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 really, I really only landed on three words, okay? So what, what do I do when worship is hard? I'm, I'm going to give you these three words that I think you can remember. And Rachel's like, where's the slide? You don't have a slide for this. The, the first word is remember. I, I, want you to, I want you to remember who God is. Remember that he is a loving, caring, kind, compassionate, merciful, good God. And he's right. And if you're in the middle of it, then there's a reason. And there's a purpose and there's a plan because God knows what he's doing. So you're going to remember who God is. You're going to remember what God has done. How, 
I just wonder, is there anybody in the room who God has been really, really good to in the past? So he's probably going to stop that now, isn't he? Because you're in a hard time. Yeah, he must have forgotten you, must have forsaken you, must have... No. And remember that God is present. I, I love this passage. Psalm 34, verse 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saved the crushed in spirit. He is with you. They shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. Remember. And remember that God does indeed have a plan. See, I, I have that on my coffee mug that I keep here at the church, that God has a plan. I, I have that spread around my office in different spots in Jeremiah 20 and 11. For God knows the plans he has for us to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us hope in the future. See, I understand that as a, as a coffee mug. And it's a cool picture on my wall. Can we remember that even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of despair, and even in the midst of hurt and heartache, that God does indeed have a plan. So let's remember. The second word I want you to pay attention to is encourage. I want you to develop a practice for encouraging yourself. The psalmist said, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. I want you to hear me. You may not always have a preacher. You may not always have a, the, the right devotion. You may not always have the right friend to say the right thing at the right time. There may come a time when you're going to have to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. And sometimes we go through these, we go through these trials as a learning experience for you to learn how to stand on your own two feet spiritually. We go through these difficult times so you can learn how to depend on the Lord and not somebody else. So encourage yourself. And let me tell you what else. You may tell you how to get out of a dark place. Encourage somebody else. You go speak life and peace to somebody else. Well, Dwayne, do, do I, 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 don't, I don't even feel it right now. I understand. But you still want to talk to them about the truth that God is good and he's got a plan. And encourage somebody else and watch yourself get encouraged in the midst of it. So you're going to remember, you're going to encourage somebody, encourage yourself. And then I want you to run. I mean, do I run away? Nope. I, I want you to run. Into his presence. The psalmist said these words. The name of the Lord. Is a fortified tower. King James calls it a strong tower. And the righteous run to it. And they are safe. See we. When you and I use the word tower. We think a big building in downtown Atlanta. In the context of this verse. A tower was where you ran when all the darts were coming and when all the spears were coming and when all the other, I don't know, kinds of weapons the enemy had. The Bible says the righteous ran there and they're safe. I'm going to tell you, the safest place you can be is in the loving arms of your Savior. The safest place you can be is in the loving arms of your Lord. The safest place you can be is hiding under the shelter of his wings. <laughs> run to him remember how good he is and what he's done get in the habit of encouraging yourself and listen in your darkest moments don't you dare run away from him you run to him Psalm 46 and 1 says God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble Oh, oh, but you may have heard me say that the, the Hebrew language is, is much deeper than our language. So when we hear that word, a very present help, very present help, very. Let me tell you what that word very might mean. It, it could mean ever present. In other words, it's, it's there, period. It could, mean, it, it could mean 
an exceeding presence. In other words, it's more than enough. It's more than enough. It could mean a mighty presence. Anybody ever need a mighty presence? Can I tell you, he is mighty to save. A forceful presence. An abundant presence. He's enough. And listen, you're going to call me sometime and, and look for words of strength and wisdom and I will fail you miserably. He's an ever exceeding abundant present help in your time of trouble. Run to him. I want to talk to you a minute about <laughs> the loneliest moment of my life. See, some of you don't, don't remember this, but this used to be our whole worship band right here. And uh, so I'll tell you about the darkest point in my life. Maybe not the darkest point in my life. I'm going to tell you the loneliest. Did you hear that? Wasn't that beautiful? It's, only, it's the fanciest thing I know how to do with this guitar. I, and I do this now because it's as good as it gets right there. That's, so if you're looking for me to wow you with this guitar, there it is. Um, I've always been a very musical person. Um, God called us to go to a church in Statesboro. And the way things worked out, and I've told you the story before, but I've never told you the whole story. So I went down six or eight weeks ahead of Don and the boys. Lived in a 40-year-old parsonage. Had a a chair and a 12-inch black and white television. And knew no one. And when we got to this church, this new assignment, the task in front of us was much bigger than we had realized. And here I am, by myself, without my family, in this big house, with no furniture, and frozen pizza. And so I I just picked my guitar up and just was strumming one night and started singing this little chorus that a lot of you know. Um, And God just began to minister to my heart when I sang, I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. See, what I didn't know was I was on a five-year journey to rediscover what worship was all about. See, I just thought it was a chorus that I could sing as a devotion because it involved the only four chords I knew. I know five now. But God, in the middle of this difficult time, restored, or maybe for the first time, gave me a song and taught me what worship was all about because, see, what was happening and the, the task that we had in front of us was bigger than a, than a four-chord song. It was, it was bigger than me, and I didn't have the skill, and I didn't have the creativity to fix what was broken. So you know what I learned to do? I learned to run into His presence. See, that's how I can tell you all that because I didn't read it in the book. I had to do it. I had to run into his presence in the loneliest time of my life and say, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's, uh-oh, all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. This isn't about my ministry career. This isn't about another assignment. This is about broken people. And I need you. And I, I, I learned to depend on the Lord like I never had in that moment. I learned that this was not just a song. It's all about you, Jesus. That my life was not my own anymore. 
It never really was, but I understood that then. It's not about what I want God to do in my career, and it's not about what I want God to do in my family. It's all about you, Jesus. And I want you to hear, if you can grasp in the moment of your deepest hurt, it might not be about you. God might be using you. And he may be drawing you into his presence like never before. So you can stand and say in the darkest moment of despair and hurt, it's all about you, Jesus. See, it's easy to sing that when we're all here gathered together. When the doctor gives you a bad diagnosis, can you say, all about you, Jesus. Can you? And I heard my wife say it so beautifully. Hey, listen, if you'll, be, if you'll develop a heart of worship on the good days, guess what you'll be able to do on the bad days? You'll be able to say, it's all about you, Jesus. Lord, I love you. And if I could just sum up this whole series in one phrase, it would be that. My worship isn't about me. It's not about me feeling good. It's not about my circumstance. And it's not about my particular situation. It is indeed all about you, Jesus. I had to learn this course, this, I had to learn this phrase of the same course. It said, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made. Don't we do? Don't we make our worship about us and about my song and about feeling, especially, any, any of y'all been around Pentecost for a little while? It's all about how we feel. Oh, it's not. It's all about you, Jesus. Donna, come on. We had something else we we're going to do, but I just feel like we need to pray. And maybe you would say that you're here today. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I just want to pray for you, if that's okay. Because I know you're here, and I, so we don't we don't have to play those little games about here. Raise your hand, do whatever, jump up and down. But I know you're here, and the enemy's trying to steal your joy, trying to steal your worship, trying to steal your song. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take authority this morning. We're going to raise up a standard against the enemy. And we're going to declare this truth. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. The enemy that comes towards you will leave seven different directions. Come on, y'all. We say we believe this stuff, but now it's time to... See, I don't, I don't know what you're walking through today. I, I don't know. I'm going to tell you that it doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you that your source is the same. So let's end this service like this. I want you to bow your heads. I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray around this altar. I'm going to give you an opportunity to come and pray around this altar. If you're here, listen. It's, it's, it's time, so we don't, we're not going to play any games. If you're here and you know that you know that the enemy's tried to steal your joy, tried to steal your song, tried to steal your worship, I want you to right now, without looking around to who else is coming, to get up out of your seat and come kneel around this altar. How about that? <laughs> come on, y'all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, we're going to wait a minute or two. We have time for this, by the way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you're here. Dwayne, I'm, I'm in the middle of a very dark time in my life. I'm in the middle of a difficult circumstance. Maybe it's financially. I, I, I get it. I've been there. Uh, maybe it's physically. You're, you're, you're struggling with something going on in your body. Maybe it's relationally. There's something in your family that you need God to intervene. Here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. I want you to get out of your seat. And I want you to come kneel around this altar. And here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to ask God to do anything just yet. I just want you to worship Him. Come on. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Hey, maybe you're here and somebody you love is kneeling this altar. I want you to get up out of your seat and come kneel around them. Put a hand on their shoulder and let's, let's pray. Donna's going to lead us in this incredible chorus. And, and here's what's going to happen. God's going to do something unique and powerful and special in the hearts of these that have come. In Jesus' name, come on, let's worship the Lord. Thank you, Lord. 